Well, good morning. It's great to see everybody. I don't know about you, maybe you weren't up early enough to experience this, but I almost got blinded this morning by the sun. Like driving here, because, you know, driving from my house to here, I, I basically drive to the east the whole time, right? And so I never wear sunglasses. I just, I just never have wore sunglasses. But this morning, I'm like, I'll pull those things off and put them on um, because I couldn't see. I mean, not only I had sunglasses and I had the visor down, I'm trying to see. It's a beautiful morning. God, God has given us a beautiful morning. And um, so just enjoy the, the goodness of God. And, and I'm hopeful that that beautiful morning will just continue throughout these next few moments. Because the, the morning we've had with, with worship, um, th- those songs fit so perfectly into where I'm going to communicate this morning. That I just believe God has put something in my heart that I think could be extremely powerful. Well, actually I know it is extremely powerful for all of our lives. If we will do what, what I'm about to speak on, it has the potential to revolutionize our lives our city, and our world. Now, I, you may be thinking that I'm just like really building that up. No, I, I'm not. I, I'm actually completely serious. I, I, I just believe this, this is such a simple, simple message. And yet at the same time, I think it's extremely profound. It's, you're going you're gonna, to, as we walk through it, you're going you're gonna to be like, oh, this is simple. I know all this. It, 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 this is simple. This is stuff that I know. You're right. You probably do. Look, we've been talking about embracing change, right? Um, you know, and, and f- sort of in that whole theme of change, right? We just decided to put up new stuff on the sides. You know, just the little new stage design. Um, cool Mary and Hannah put that up. Just, just put that up this week just because they wanted to change. It was cool. I liked it. If you don't like it, oh well. Um, it'll be there for a while. We'll change it again come Christmas, okay? So just understand, if you want some input on stage design, just come talk to us. Um, we'd love you to do it. Um, so just, just, just come. Um, we, you know, we, we're, we're good with that. Um, but the people of Israel embraced a huge change that they weren't even prepared for. In fact, Nehemiah didn't really have to convince them to, to embrace this change. They were confronted with this change, and they embraced it. You know, so far, we have, we have looked at Nehemiah's life, how Nehemiah embraced change in order to do the work that God had called him to do, to, to rebuild the walls and to see the gates rebuilt. And, and now we're going to look at the Jewish people, how, how they embraced change. And something powerful took place. You know, not all changes we embrace are good, right? I mean, not every change that we embrace is a good change. Like we, we, we can embrace some things that aren't good. Look, a friend of mine sent me an article this week, and it was from the Pew Report, Pew Institute, whatever. And, and, and it was about, and I'll just give you the terminologies that they used. It was about people who were once religious, who were no longer religious, because of science, 
and logic or some other reason. And look, that's not a good change. Look, I don't believe for a moment that science and the Bible are incompatible. Okay, I, I, I believe that, 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 that there's some very good things that are taking place in science. And, and a lot of us are, are really thankful for developments in science, right? I mean, you know, medical things. And like, you can be rebuilt almost completely, right? I mean, you, you spare parts from everywhere. I just... Just like they make this stuff, and now they just put them in there. And you're like, wow, I need a new valve. You know, I, I thought that was just for cars, right? No, now they just plug one in. You know, just stick one in there and, and you know, get an overhaul. Um, just, it, you know, you just go in for service check. It's, you know, miles with a car, years in a person. It just, you know, you go in and get the service check, and they start replacing parts. Your alternator is used. So some changes are great. I mean, and we're grateful for science and all those things. And, and, and you know, look, there's times that I get into those moments of, of, of questions that I don't understand. I come back to a very basic set of questions for my life. Those very basic questions, and I've said them before. And when I get into things that I am wrestling with, things that I'm struggling with, things that I don't understand, when things happen that I can't explain, I come back to this question over and over again. Who is Jesus? Did Jesus live on this planet? Did, did, did Jesus die on the cross? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Did Jesus appear to more than 500 people at one time but after his death and resurrection, before his ascension? If that happened, if, if all those things happened, even if I don't completely understand, I trust him because Jesus is who he said he was. And I live there, and I just understand that. And I, I want to discover, I want to research, I want to learn, I want to grow, I want, I want to understand anything I can understand. But here's the deal. God actually expects spiritual change to take place in every one of our lives. The problem is, we don't change for the better by accident. The problem is, is that, that we tend to have spiritual drift in our lives. And the problem with spiritual drift is we don't drift closer to God. We drift further away. If we just let things go, if we just kind of go through the motions, if we just kind of go through life, we'll, we'll drift away from God. I want to take you back to just a moment in your life. Just think back with me, just a moment, back, back to the day when, when you first committed your life to Jesus. Do you remember what that was like? Do you remember how you felt? Do you remember the passion? Do you remember the life? Do you remember when you found Christ, when, when you experienced forgiveness, you wanted to tell everybody about it. You didn't care what you looked like. You didn't care what you sounded like. You were nuts. You were obnoxious. You were crazy. And you didn't care. I'm not expecting us to be obnoxious and crazy and all that stuff. But if you think back, there was a moment in your life where you, you had this thing going on that you're like, I don't care about anything else. I just want to know Jesus. I just want to follow Jesus. I just want to do what, what Jesus wants me to do. I don't care if my friends don't follow. I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't care if people think I'm crazy. I'm going to follow Jesus. There's something in us that in those moments, we, we remember that. But, but then what happens is we tend to drift. 
we drift away from God and we just keep slowly, we don't even know it, we, we don't even feel it, we don't even recognize it, we just keep moving further and further away from God and suddenly we're making decisions that we wouldn't have made before. Because we forgot God. Look, I don't know if this is true or not, but they tell me that if you want to cook a fro frog that's alive, just put it in the pot, right? Why would you want to cook a frog that's alive? Why would you want to cook a frog anyway? I mean, seriously, that's a little too much work, right? I mean, frog legs for dinner? That's a lot of work, you know what I'm saying? Unless you got these ones that have been injected, all kind of stuff that look like they're dogs. I mean, a frog is, is a pretty small thing, right? I mean, it just, you know, frog leg. I mean, that's a lot of work to... Why would you want to cook a frog leg? But, okay, go back to the end. If you want to cook a frog that's alive, you throw it in a pot. If you throw it in the hot water, it's jumping out. But if you throw it in the, the water, I don't know. They just say this is true. I, I don't know. But even if it's not true, it doesn't matter, right? Because, because this is a story. And, and so when you think about it, if you put the frog in the thing and... What? What did I say now? The last time people laughed like this when I was speaking, and I didn't know what was going on, I cussed. Huh, you think I'm kidding. I didn't do it on purpose. I said something. I was trying to use the illustration. It was a story. And, and people started laughing. I'm like, what, what, what is wrong with you people? I said, you guys have terrible minds. Ansel looked at me straight in the eyes and said, we're not thinking it. You said it. I'm like, I didn't mean to. I'm leaving now. I don't know what's going on. I have lost complete control. But no, if you think about the frog that's in the pot, right, that's in there, and, and, and it, you, you put it in, it's hot, and it jumps out, it's just going to jump out. But if you put it in there and you just slowly raise the temperature, it won't jump out. And Christians are a little bit that way because we just tend to drift away from God and we forget him. But look, we're in good company. The people of Nehemiah's day did the same thing. The children of Israel did the same thing over and over and over again. God warned them about it. God warned them that, that, that that's what was going to happen. That, that, that they couldn't forget him. Look, we aren't going to just become who God wants us to be by accident. Look, just because 10 years ago you said, you know what, I'm, I'm giving everything I got to God. I, I'm, I'm going to be the person God wants you to be. The 10 years from, like, the, you didn't necessarily get there because of that decision. It was that decision, plus a lot of other decisions to get you there. And see, the problem with the children of Israel is, is they constantly did those kind of things. They would make these great declarations. And then they'd forget God. What I want you to understand is that change happens. The question is, is do we want to determine the change that we want? Or do we want to be a casualty of change? Do we want to be a casualty of spiritual drift? Or do we want to be people that passionately pursue Jesus? Look, I know 
there's like all of us in this room. I, I don't think there's anybody in this room. If, if you do this, you're like amazing, okay? If you can live like this, uh, like you're my hero. Why anybody wants to, I don't know. But like I know there's something that most of us in this room won't live without. Now that we've experienced it, we won't live without it. If it goes bad, we're fixing it. Like I'm telling you, whether it's in, in this building, uh, if it's it, you know, like if we did without air conditioning in this building for a few weeks, <laughs> you're not coming. Between June and September, you're like, uh-uh. You know, Kansas, between June and September, it, it's just ugly, right? It's not the hottest place in the world. It's not the most humid place in the world. But you put those two together, it's pretty ugly. We like our air conditioning. Look, if you have a car that have air conditioning, you're getting it fixed. <laughs> or you're getting a new car. <laughs> I mean, at least that's my approach, right? I don't want to, uh. if your air conditioning goes out, out at home, you're looking for that. I mean, because we like, our, see, we don't like the change of the air in our homes. We like to condition our air. We need to allow our lives to be conditioned, to become who God wants us to be. And it's not going to happen by accident. I don't know about you, but I've never had air conditioning by accident. It didn't get invented by accident. It didn't get installed in my house by accident. It didn't get fixed by accident. The three air conditioners we just put in the church, they went by accident. I wish it was because it would be cheaper. There's nothing wrong with air conditioning. It's a great thing. Look, when Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem, we know he finds walls that are broken down, gates that have been burned by fire. But those are just a picture of what's happened to the nation spiritually. Their lives are broken spiritually. But he doesn't address the spiritual condition first. See, because no one is going to focus on God. No one's going to, no, no, they, because they, they have no, no protection. And he, he, God has sent him there to do something. But, but the people of Israel recognize, after the walls are rebuilt, their spiritual condition. They recognize it. They realize they've forgotten God. Look, if we're going to embrace change that really, really matters, if we're going to embrace change in our lives, and we're going to embrace the right kinds of change, then, then the first thing we've got to do is we've got to know God. We, we must know God. The problem for the people of Israel and the people of Jerusalem is they had forgotten God. They had forgotten Him. In, in reality, they, they just, they no longer knew Him. They, they they forgot all about him. They no longer followed him. They, they didn't keep his laws and decrees. and They didn't do the things they knew they were supposed to do. And honestly, we face the same problem today. Look, their ancestors had forgotten God's commands. And as a result, they were exiled to Babylon. They were ruled by the Babylonians. They were ruled by the Persians at this point. And, and the walls of Jerusalem are, are destroyed. And all of that they were told in advance. They, they were warned by God. And God told them, look, if you keep my commands, 
I will protect you. If you forget my commands, I'm going to abandon you. And you'll be carried off into captivity. The people of Nehemiah's day knew it. They knew the story of the Jewish people for over a thousand years. The same cycle repeated itself over and over again. You know what's cool about new washing machines? Like you can watch them. And what do they do? They just turn. That's all the children of Israel did. They kept repeating the same thing over and over again. They'd repent. They'd know God. They'd follow him. For part of a generation. And they'd forget him. And they'd experience pain. They'd come back to God. They'd follow him for part of a generation. They'd forget God. They'd experience pain. It's the same cycle over and over again. It just keeps happening. In Nehemiah 9, verse 25, it says this. Our ancestors captured fortified cities and fertile land. They took over houses full of good things with cisterns already dug and vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate until they were full and grew fat and enjoyed themselves in all your blessings. Speaking of God's blessings. But despite of all this, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who warned them to return to you. And they committed terrible blasphemies. So you handed them over to their enemies who made them suffer. But in their time of trouble, they cried to you. And you heard them from heaven. In your great mercy, you sent them liberators who rescued them from their enemies. How, how incredible is that? Right? They, they get this promise. and they, they, they get this promise and they... They go experience this incredible land of blessing and abundance. And they've got all they need. And, and look, they didn't have to work for some of it. I mean, they already had water that they didn't have to dig for. They, they had fruit trees and olive groves. And I don't like olives, but it still sounds cool to me. They had all this stuff. But they forgot God. Look, we have a similar promise to this today. It's an individual promise. It's not a promise for a nation, but, but think about this. Matthew 6.33 tells us this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Look, this is not a promise for a nation, but a people. Like, like I don't know that God has made any promises to America. We've made promises to him. We've said things like, in God we trust. We've said, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. It's like we, we've made promises to God. And God has brought blessing into our nation. Not because we're America. But if you have enough people who are seeking God and seeking first his kingdom and experiencing the blessings of God, there's going to be blessings on a nation. 
because there's enough people that are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And, and he's, he's blessing them. And it's going to bring blessing into a nation. Look, the most important thing that we do as a people in this country isn't to vote or be involved in the political process. Look, I think we ought to do those things. I'm not saying we shouldn't do those things. I think we ought to do those things. But the most important thing that you and I can do for this nation is to know God. It's to know God. If we know God, and if we're going to embrace the changes that God wants for us, and we embrace the right kinds of change that God wants in our lives, we must know Him. We, we must seek the kingdom of God. And to go with that, we need to listen to God. Honestly, it's not enough just to know God. You've got to listen to Him. The Jewish people knew God at times in their existence. They had experienced some crazy stuff. Think about it for just a moment, just, just real quick, just trying to get to the promised land, right? Just trying to get out of Egypt to the promised land. They, they're led by a pillar of fire and a cloud. And, and like how many of you have had that happen? How many of you have gotten to a creek like as a kid and you got to the creek and you're like, how am I going to cross it? I'm going to jump on these stones. No, they get to the Red Sea and it parts for them. And they walk across on dry ground. And they saw that stuff and they forgot God in just a short moment. So much so that they wander around in a desert for 40 years. It was supposed to be a 40-day journey and it becomes a 40-year process. And then when they get to the land of abundance, because that generation couldn't enter in, they experience the abundance, they experience the promised land, and they forget God again. And they don't do what they were told to do. Like, I know, I know. It's like we, when we were kids, right, we were perfect children. Like we always <laughs> listened to our parents. We all have bad memories, too. <laughs> At least I wasn't a perfect child. I, I can't answer for you. But it's easy to forget the things that we're supposed to do. And forget to listen to God. Well, one of the things that Nehemiah led the people in was a gathering to listen to the Word of God. We find it in Nehemiah 8. In October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square, just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October 8th, Ezra the priest brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included the men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just out inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people listened closely to the book of the law. <laughs> the people gathered. We're going to do this next Sunday. I'm just warning you. This is, this is where we're starting next Sunday. We're just going to start book of the law, start reading in Genesis Get on to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They listened intently for about six hours. They listened intently to the book of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
And all of that meant something to them. And as they listened to it, they recognized something was wrong. As Nehemiah 8.8 says, they read from the book of the law of God and clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Look, when you, that sounds a little like church, right? We read the scriptures, we talk of the scriptures, we try and apply to understand it. What does that mean and how do we live this? And they do that for, for six hours they did that. And look, there's something happens here. It's kind of crazy. But they're reading and they're listening to the book of the law. And the people start weeping. And Nehemiah says, stop, go home. This is not a day of mourning. This is a day of celebration. Have you ever seen a preacher when the people are crying and there's like stuff happening? He's like, no, go home, have fun. Eat, drink, and have a great day. No. But that's what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah does that. He, he says, no, this is a day to celebrate. Because they're hearing the words of God, the word of God, the law of God. And they should be celebrating that they've discovered once again the word of God and they're listening. But Nehemiah knows there's another day coming. We can't talk about all of it that happens between Nehemiah 8 and 9. But, but about 30 days later they gather again. Nehemiah 9.1 says this. On October 30, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and their sin of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord their God was read aloud to them. Then for three more hours they confessed their sins and worshipped the Lord their God. Today's going to be a long day, people. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Look, they had forgotten God. They knew there was a problem. And what happens is they listen once again for three hours to the law of God again. And then they confess their sins. And worship the Lord, their God. Look, they were doing all kinds of things they were told not to do. There were very specific things they were told not to do. And they were doing them. You have to understand that there were, there were parts of their countrymen who, who had lost their lands. Because their other countrymen were charging crazy interest. That's where the term usury comes from. It was this crazy stuff. You, you want to see crazy kind of loan kind of thing happen? And, and they're living under the curse in America today. They're called payday loan places. They're preying on the poor. They're, they're, they're going to live under the curse of God for that. Just saying. If you run one, sorry. What happened to, to the, the, the children of Israel when they discovered their mistake? When they discovered their sin as they repented. They turned back to God. They said, oh God, sorry. We, we, we shouldn't have been doing that. We're sorry. And it went through all kinds of things. Look, you've confessed the sins of others before, right? You've apologized for sins of others before. You've got the crazy person in the family, right? Who goes into a store or goes into a restaurant and makes a crazy scene. 
and you're there with them, and you're looking at the person that's helping you, you're like, sorry. You've done that. That's essentially what we're doing. We're confessing our sins personally and our sins collectively. And we're saying, God, forgive us for we have failed. That's exactly what Nehemiah was doing and the people of Nehemiah's day were doing. They were saying, God, we are so sorry. You've given us specific things that we ought to do. We, we, we confess our sin to you and God, please forgive us. Look, as followers of Jesus, we must be people who confess our sins. We must confess our sins. We must confess our sins before God. Look at the last thing. It's on the screen. Obey God. Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 28 says, Then the rest of the people... The priests, Levites, gatekeepers, singers, temple servants, and all who had separated themselves from the pagan people of the land in order to obey the law of God, together with their wives, sons, daughters, and all who were old enough to understand, joined their leaders and bound themselves with an oath. They swore a curse on themselves if they failed to obey the law of God as issued by a servant Moses. They solemnly promised to carefully follow all the commands, regulations, and decrees of the Lord our Lord. Look, they vow to obey God's commands to them. Look, we realize Jesus taught, but your yes be yes, your no be no. Don't, don't, don't enter into vows. Look, the, I thought about printing out a page, you know, back of your notes, you know, you, you got those four spots to fill in some blanks, and you've got a really big space at the bottom. I thought we should really just put a, a covenant there. A, uh, you know, that we're all going to sign. Because that's what they did in Nehemiah's day, right? They, they all got this covenant. They all said, we're going to do this. They joined together, all together, and like, we're going to do this. We're, 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 we're signing on the line. We're going to do this. We're, you know what? Nothing's going to get our way. We are going to be people who are going to follow God all of our lives. We're going to obey. Look, we just read it. We're going to obey all of your commands, decrees, and laws. We're, we're going we're to obey it all. Everybody said okay. Look, I'm not asking you to get everybody else to obey God. I'm asking you to obey God. The problem for the Jewish people wasn't the sins of the Babylonians. It wasn't the sins of the Persians or even later the Romans. It was their own sins that were the problem. The same is true for us today. The problem in our nation, oh, we got problems. The problem in our nation isn't the sins of everyone else. It's our sins. It's the sins of the church. The church needs to repent. The church, the people of God need to look at their own lives and look at the places where we have forgotten Him. Look at the places where we weren't listening to Him. Look at the places where we, we, we have sinned against Him. To, to realize that there are places in our lives where we have not obeyed God. And we need to confess our sins.
that, that, that's what he's asking of us. That's what he's asking of, of the church in America today. That's what he's asking of the church right here today. Is will we repent of our sins? Look, we could walk through a number of scriptures. Like we could spend the rest of the day just walking through scriptures and commands of God that we need to make sure we live. I'm going to give you a couple just because I want to prove a point a little bit. Look, we... As the people of God must follow God. We must obey Him. Look, just this week in our small group, we're, we're studying through the book of James. Just James chapter 1, just a few verses from James chapter 1. And here's a couple just to think about. Like, like think about how we obey God in this verse. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. How do we do in that? Do you know what would happen if, if the followers of Jesus could, could do that? It would be pretty cool. We'll just go on a few verses later. Verse 26 says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Oh, how many times do I fail in that? Lord, help me. Help me. We can go on. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. And all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. If we did that. As followers of Jesus. Like, I'm not even, look, we're not even stepping into the, the moral don't do list. Because honestly, I think the bigger problem is we're not doing what Jesus commanded us to do. Look, there's problems, and we're not doing, we're doing some of the not do, but we're also struggling here to do some of the things that Jesus told us to do. And, and, and like, that's what we've got to be about. We've got to be about what, what he's called us to do and to love people as, as we love ourselves, as we love our neighbors. And we don't have to get into the discussion of who's our neighbor because we know the answer is everybody. Every person we come in contact with is our neighbor. Jesus pointed it out. He, he, he taught the people. Look, we've got to make obeying God the top priority of our lives. But here's the problem. The problem is this. Spiritual drift happens. Look, you would think 
you would think the people of Nehemiah's day, it would be an incredible moment, right? They sign up, the whole group, everybody has gotten out this, the pen. They've signed the thing. We're going to do this. Nehemiah leaves, goes back and gives a report to the king. And he comes back, and there's already trouble. Moses, what happened? Incredible things. Incredible stuff is happening. He goes up to meet with God. He comes back, and there's a golden calf on the ground. And they're worshiping that. They got them. See, spiritual drift happens. And if we're not careful, we find ourselves so far away from God that we never would have said that. We never would have gone there. But we forgot God, and we didn't come back over and over again to reconnect with him. To know him, to listen to him, to confess our sin, and to obey him. Look, here's the problem. The problem is we can't wait a month. We can't wait a week. Sometimes we can't wait every day. We gotta come back to God throughout the day. Look, I jokingly was talking about with somebody the other day and said, oh yeah, we could just fit another service in at Mission Hill and in between the two services here at the boulevard, I'd need a driver because if I drove myself, I'd be mad by the time I got one of the services. And I'd be in no place to communicate. That's one of the reasons why I show up like on Sundays, I just get here early. Like wherever I'm going, if I'm going to speak, I got to be there early. Because I just want to relax them over there. I don't want to be like all... Like, it's, it kind of helps it early in the morning on Sundays. There's not a lot of traffic. Because life happens. Just everyday kind of emotional things happen. And that gets us starting to drift away from God. And we've got to constantly come back. And I'm just saying to you, and I'm saying to myself, help us to come back to Him throughout the day. On a regular basis, just continually coming back. Look, I'm asking you to join me in committing to follow God completely and unashamedly for the days we have left on this planet. See, we, we need God's help to not drift spiritually away from Him. If we just let it go by accident. We're going to drift places we don't want to be. And I'm going to finish with a couple questions this morning. Where in your life have you drifted from God? Where in your life are you not listening to God? Where in your life do you need to confess sin to God? Where in your life are you not obeying God? Look, I'm, my prayer this morning was that for every one of us, those questions would be used by the Holy Spirit to personalize this moment for you. For some of you in the room, maybe you don't know him. 
And maybe today is the day you're going to get to know him. That's the starting point. See, the problem with, with, with our lives is our sin. And God causes a gap. And Jesus, as we sung about, is that bridge in that space. See, he came to this planet to don a cross so that we could know God again. To restore right relationship between man and God. And that's the starting point. The starting point is to, to know God. And it's only done through Jesus Christ. It's only done through knowing Jesus and having that relationship restored. But having our sin confessed to God and saying, Lord, forgive me. But the great part about it is God's willing. Look, he, he did it over and over again for the children of Israel. He's willing to do it for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, and you're struggling with this whole concept. Look, John wrote this incredible letter that contains this verse. And the, the letter was written to the church. It's written to followers of Jesus. And he wrote this verse, and we know it as John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look. It doesn't matter whether you've been following Jesus for years. His offer is there. If you've sinned and you've failed him, he's saying, confess your sin. I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If you've not been obeying God, if you've not been listening to him, confess that. There's specific areas of your life, and I think you ought to get specific. In these closing moments, you ought to get specific. Lord, forgive me for doing this, this, and this. Help me, God. I don't want to drift from you. I want to have a right relationship with you. Look, the powerful thing of that, the powerful thing of that, is that if we are all doing that as followers of Jesus, You'll make a difference in this world. You, you will make a difference in this world. You, you will have impact, spiritual impact in the lives of people because you are saying, Lord, I just want to know you and I want to stay close to you. And look, you're going to have to figure out a way to have an alarm in your life, right? It might be every three hours. It might be every time you eat. You might just mean to, like, forget about just praying. Just forget about praying for the food, okay? I'm just I'm giving you, you like a pastor blessing. That just forget about praying for the food. You might need to just repent every three hours. Yeah, I eat at about that schedule. <laughs> about four times a day, right? We might need to repent every, we may just need to come back to God every moment. Like, I'm not saying we're crazy. I'm not saying we're doing like crazy stuff. But I'm saying we, we need to come back to God. It needs to be a regular part of what we do. Because if we don't, we're going to spiritually drift away. And we're going to keep doing, and we're never going to be wants us to be. Because we're allowing life to push us. That's why James chapter 1 says, don't let the world corrupt you. That's why Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
and you'll be able to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's, what, that's how you're going to know that. Don't just drift. Live life on purpose. Knowing Christ. Following him. Trusting him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. And Lord, I'm praying that in these moments, God, every one of us will respond in this time with specific things. We, we would get specific on, on the areas of our lives that we need to confess our sin to you. God, that we would be willing to humble ourselves before you and just surrender our lives. Lord, do what you want to do in these moments. In Jesus' name.